0: So, you're welcome, Aurelia. I also want to respond to Aurelia's sarcastic comment. Uh, A second ago, I just now saw it. Listen, I was a pastor because we all started this together. Uh, From the beginning, uh, we didn't want to have a hierarchy, and we all put a lot of sweat in this thing together. Absolutely. So, uh, it's so good to be with you all in this space. This is a lot of fun. Um... (laughs) When you're away from it and you come back, you're really able to appreciate it. Uh, This is a unique space. There's a lot of uh, spaces that might be somewhat similar, but uh, this is a special place. This is a really good place. So uh, I want to talk for a second about uh, mountaintops. Uh, Who likes hiking? Who likes going to the tops of mountains? Yeah, I mean, like... We say mountaintop moment for a, for a reason, right? Uh, I love vantage points. Now I say that I say that usually. Um, have you ever climbed a mountain and it was just it turned out to not be that great? <laughs> we you willing to admit it. Uh, maybe you get to the top and it's just like so cold you can't wait to to get out of the wind, or uh, maybe it's so foggy or rainy that you know you can't really take a good selfie. <laughs> There's no picture to tell. I don't know. You're like, I'm not really sure how I'm going to remember that. Or maybe the hike itself was so tiring that you just want to go rest somewhere. Um, Or have you ever been on a beach and it gets really cold, the air hits you, that just becomes uncomfortable and you want to go back to the hotel? You know, it's possible you could enjoy the view while also the journey was... You know, things aren't great all the time. We, we often construct these worlds through social media. Like if you go and even on a terrible hike, you're probably going to take some good pictures. Uh, but things aren't great all the time. Uh, okay, so on our honeymoon, we, uh, this was in 2009, we didn't have much money. Uh, we had a very limited budget, but we wanted to go to a mountain. We wanted to like go to a mountain we'd never been to before and... I had this professor who had taken a uh, his honeymoon to Albuquerque. He told us we should go to Albuquerque. I think it was called Sandia Peak. We should go to these places. And uh, so we went to, I think it was Expedia at the time. And we just like searched around for hotels. You know, or again, we're on like a really small budget. And the pictures that came up looked in- incredible, right? They had professional photographers take pictures of the lobby and the the rooms and take picture of the mountain. And, uh, when we showed up to this place on our honeymoon, uh, it turned out to be, and like, they, they took like good pictures of the restaurant and everything, you know, everything looked really nice. Um, it turned out to basically be a motel that was part of a biker bar. Now I have no judgment there. If you're into, uh, bikers are cool. Uh, you know, I understand what it's like to be on a budget. Sometimes you got to stay at motels, but for your honeymoon, uh, it was like, there's something wrong here. We must have booked... Did we book the wrong hotel or whatever? But then we, like, started going around, and we thought, oh, that's where they took that picture. Oh, my gosh. Uh, and then we saw, like, the mountain was, like, you know, like 15 miles away, and so they, you know, just took a really good picture from uh, this space itself. Uh, so I learned in that time that multiple things could be true at the same time. Like, we loved each other. We had a great time. But there was also some confusion and some disappointment with some of the details there. Um... Of course, the pictures we took, we chose to take, you know, those were memories. But we really just focused on one part of the reality. Um, That's the thing about mountaintop moments. Sometimes they can be like, wow, I never would have imagined this. And other times they can be like, wow, I never would have imagined this. Sometimes those things happen simultaneously in the same space. Okay, I want to talk about a movie here for a second. And uh, I looked it up last night. It came out in 2011, so I guess I'll put a spoiler alert, but if you haven't seen it by now, I mean, come on, you know. So there's this movie that came out called uh, The Adjustment Bureau. It was Emily Blunt and Matt Damon. You probably, uh, you know, who knows if you saw it or not. If not, uh, it can, I, I don't know if it's on Netflix or Hulu or Amazon or something. It's worth, it's worth looking into, but yeah. Um, it'll make you think a little bit about free choices and what sort of free choices do you really have, that sort of thing. But at the end of the movie, again, I'm going to go ahead and say something about the end of the movie here, but you had nine years, so I don't really don't feel bad for spoiling this one. Okay, Matt Damon and Emily Blunt, they run from scene... Uh, uh, they're running and running toward wh- who's called the chairperson, and it's supposed to be representative of like, God throughout this entire movie. And this chairperson supposedly has a plan. And the movie is about whether or not you can run from the plan, or do you really have any uh, choice or autonomy in these sorts of plans? Well, at the end, they decide they're going to confront the chairperson. And they get to the top of the chairperson where, or the top of the building where this chairperson's supposed to be. And when they get there, there's nobody there except for themselves. And it's this really interesting critique that you can search your whole life, and once you get a peek behind the curtain, you realize, that no one is writing the plan the whole time, except for you. You know, over the last couple of years, I've come to embrace paradox and contradictions and oxymorons. I find that opposites can be true at the same time. I find that joy and sorrow can meet in the same place. I find there can be a thin line between fulfillment and emptiness. Uh, One of my favorite quotes, which is on your guide, is that the only church that illuminates is a burning church. Now, is this a pro or anti-church quote? I mean, it can be sort of sweet if you really think about, like, church being the light of the world metaphorically, but it takes on a very different connotation when you take it a little bit more literally. There's also this space where the church is metaphorically burned. And if the church metaphorically burns what remains? (coughs) Peter Rollins describes the deconstruction, describes deconstruction as a process of your house being on fire. And you take out all the furniture and whatever makes it through the fire, and you decide what you want to keep. Now, recently we moved, so this metaphor hits home somewhat literally. Now, nothing caught on fire, but We had to decide what furniture to bring with us, what was sold or what was left on the curb. We made it across country, and we had to decide what was worth hanging on to and what needed to go. One of the interesting ways fire is used in Scripture uh, is that fire can be a purifier, that which is tested through fire. What's so precious and valuable, it makes it like gold and everything else just sort of melts away. So in your life, you've gone through trials recently. I'm going to assume so if you're part of hashtag 2020. Some of you might have been through hell. Some of you may have deconstructed your faith. And what remains? I mean, you sit here this morning. What furniture are you keeping I actually thought about uh, titling this sermon, Hang On to Your Furniture, but I went with fire instead. So let's take the metaphor uh, a step further about fire. What is it that burns deep inside of you through all of your changes in life? What is it that drives you? What is it that keeps you burning? What is it that gives you life? Some even call this inner spark spirit through the purifying of your spirit what remains (coughs) of course there's this tension of holding multiple things true at the same time and i know this church has a history of appreciating questions and holding things lightly and that doesn't discount that which is deep inside and keeps your fire burning What keeps you burning? What needs to be burned, maybe just incinerated? And what needs to be refined? (coughs) Deep within us, there's a, a story being told that if we're dissatisfied, the only way to obtain satisfaction is through the better. Hey, go get the better job. Get the better house. Get the better relationship. Get the better religion. Get the better politics. The grass is greener on the other side. And you know what? Sometimes it is. We're constantly undergoing religious conversions from one thing to the other. This is why self-help books are so popular. And sometimes they're really helpful. But there is this dissatisfaction with the way things are, and we hope somebody can help us find a better way. But what happens when you get that job and you think, huh, This is it. Or you work for that house and then you close and you just keep checking Zillow for the next house. Or you finally arrive at your destination and you realize that the beautiful honeymoon hotel is actually an old motel connected to a biker bar. You can experience a period of disillusionment. You realize that your politician isn't going to save the day Your dream house still needs repairs. Your new religion brings about new frustrating problems. Your idol isn't going to solve your problems. You realize that they're a person just like anybody else. We see Jesus on the cross and realize he was weak too. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's in this moment where we realize we're all priests. We're all weak. And... We all have the fire. We think we need someone else's fire, but we realize our fire doesn't come from anyone else or anything else. The fire comes from within ourselves. Really, the best therapists, coaches, spiritual directors, they help you look within. Self-proclaimed prophets often say, look at me, trust me. I don't know about you, but the most transforming people I've ever met say, trust yourself, believe in yourself. I get the contradiction that I am preaching a sermon saying you actually don't need to listen to me. Listen to yourself. You don't need my fire. I can't give it to you anyway. Flame the spark in your own soul. Embrace your own fire. You know, in the scriptures, we have this story of people who are always looking outside of themselves. Give us a king. Oh, that didn't king didn't work. Give us another king. Jesus comes and they want him to be a certain type of king. Jesus spends his life in ministry just asking them questions, trying to get people to answer them for themselves and think for themselves, and they largely miss him. But then we learn that the spirit, the fire, is already here. It's already present, already moving in each person. So each person listening today has fire. And your fire already rests within you as a gift of grace. There isn't anything you need to do to get it. There's no secret from me to you today. I sit in front of you today just to affirm you, to encourage you, and hold up a mirror and say to look within yourself, examine yourself, accept yourself, love yourself. <coughs> you're already sacred. You're already more than enough. Oh, You're already sacred. You're already more than enough. You are loved. You have the fire. If you're tuning in this morning and you appreciate the encouragement, but maybe you're wondering what your fire is, I encourage you to ask yourself that question. You might fear that you don't have the fire, but I affirm your fire anyway, not because I impart any sort of authority, but because you already have the image of God in you. You are a creator Of your own life. (coughs) You know the thing that you do that brings you life that no one else understands? Keep doing that. You know that deeply held conviction you have about justice or peace or compassion that you aren't sure if anybody else shares? Embrace it. You know that deeply held political belief that no one at Thanksgiving dinner would share? You're free to lean into it. It is yours. It is all yours. Your fire is not dictated by your religious past. Your fire is not dictated by Twitter mobs. Your fire is not dictated by family systems. Your faith is your own. No one past, present, or future gets to dictate your lived spiritual experience. Their coldness may attempt to extinguish your heat, but whatever the spark is that ignites your soul, you are empowered with the authority to hang on to your fire. So, my word of encouragement to you this morning is this. You are the expert of your own life. No one knows your fire better than you. You have the keys, go where your fire calls. You have the intuition, what is your fire saying to you? May your fire burn deep. May your fire burn bright. Amen.